0: Welcome to The Nameless Minority, a podcast dedicated to grieving parents. Losing a child is not something most want to talk about, but here we strive to give grieving parents a voice. By giving space to grieving parents to talk about their child, we hope to create a community of support and love for those often overlooked. Please join us in shining a light on these strong parents and their beautiful children.
1: I decided to go a different path with this episode. We get to explore Rohana's grief journey. Rohana is a mother, marathoner, blogger, ultra runner, triathlon athlete, and works in the medical field. We get to discuss how Rohana's grief journey has motivated her to accomplish athletic feats. We discuss what has worked for us. It is amazing how our stories are different, but very similar. Welcome to the Nameless Minority. Um, Today on the episode we have Rohana. I think I'm saying that correctly. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Who's in uh, California. How's the weather out there because it's miserable in Kentucky.
0: Well we had a gnarly storm. They called it a what did they call it a atmospheric river Uh, and but today it is 77 degrees so you never know. You wake up you never know what you're going to get out here.
1: (laughs) Yep that's Kentucky. That's Kentucky. I think we did uh, (laughs) a 80 degrees one day and snow on the same day.
0: So, yeah, we don't get the snow out here, though.
1: <laughs> you're lucky. Um, so we're going to discuss your grief journey today. Um, you want to just start with giving like a little background about yourself?
0: Sure, yeah. I, I'm uh, I'm from uh, California, um, more specifically Santa Cruz in the Santa Cruz Mountains. I've uh, lived here all my life. Um, I have, uh, five brothers and a, and a a sister, my dearly departed sister, who we'll talk more about, um, later. And I'm a single mom and I have, um, two kids and I work, uh, in nonprofit healthcare. Um, obviously the thing we have in common is the, uh, the ultra running. Um, that's my, uh, passions, uh, in life and actually one of my therapy tools for, uh, coping with grief and whatnot. And, uh, I'm excited to be here to, uh, you know, share my story about grief and the things that I, um, tried that I feel are healing for me and that I hope maybe, you know, can be healing for other people. Cause I think the more we talk about this stuff, um, you know, it, it helps heal the person talking about it. And I think it also helps heal, you know, those that are listening in.
1: Yeah. I grew up in a family where it, it just wasn't, nothing was really discussed. Um, for whatever reason, maybe it's just a time period or whatever, but, uh, so it's taken me a long time to talk about all of it. Uh, but now I, I, I can talk about any of it now, I believe, and I may have opinions that people don't like, but that's fine.
0: Right. <laughs> you're being, you're, you you know, you're speaking your truth and being, and being true to yourself, you know, and that's, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. So let's start out with how spiritual are you? Are you, um, Do you associate with a religion or or are you just spiritual?
0: I would say I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely spiritual. Uh, I have not always been that way. My, I grew up, you know, my parents in the Santa Cruz mountains, they're old school hippies. Um, So my parents are very spiritual and they embrace not necessarily any particular religion. It's more like the fundamental goodness in each part. So I was raised with some aspects of Christianity, Hinduism, uh, Native American Buddhism, um, and then also just any type of um, spirituality that really honors uh, nature and the energy of nature. So I I only became spiritual, actually, funny enough, you know, when my sister passed away, because I was pretty um, agnostic, almost atheist, because I was around that so much growing up that I didn't really, uh, I just wasn't vibing with it until there was something that happened in my life, such as, you know, a, a loss of a loved one, which sort of I would say cracked me open into um tapping into the spiritual world and i'm very glad that um that did happen because that's been something that's been helpful and for me when i mean spirituality is it's for me it's about um energy and um connecting with yourself and connecting with other people and then you know connecting with nature and to me that's my spirituality like nature's my church um, so that's sort of the fundamentals of, and which she you knows also why I love the ultra running, as you know, because when we do that stuff, we're running, you know, out in, uh, in nature. So that's sort of how I am is as spiritual on a, on an energetic level. Um, yeah, but that really only came to me, uh, around the time that my sister passed away,
1: the ultra running, the, the best way that I heard described was, uh, from street to trails was, uh, streets. You're just, you're just running. Right. And then when you're on a trail. You're present every step.
0: Yeah. And I was like, man,
1: that's <laughs> that is because one, you got to watch everything, cause you're gonna fall. But right. two, I mean, it's just the calmness around everything is is man, it's just like home. I mean, it's it's the perfect place for me to be whenever I'm trying to be out there, and it's time just to to think, to to get everything out worked out in your head. Even it may not work out the way you want it to, but right. <laughs> In your head, it's working out great.
0: <laughs> I get so in the zone when I'm running sometimes that I actually, I'm not paying, I'm paying attention to my footing, you know, so I don't fall. But then all of a sudden they all go like miles past where I was supposed to turn to loop back and my, you know, 10 mile run just became a 15, 20 mile run because I was in my, so in my zone. Do <laughs> you, you
1: know how crazy that sounds to people who don't run when you say I know,
0: know. They're like, how do you, how do you accidentally run 20 miles?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. great. So when my daughter passed away, I, I was not, I didn't run. I didn't do anything. And then my mother said, you should run. And I said, that's the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard of.
0: <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> I couldn't run a full mile. Like when I started. And then within two years, I think, I, I think that's the point where I did my first 50K. And I've since like really laxed on it. I've had a medical issue where I hadn't been able to drive. So I hadn't been able to get out like on the trail at all, but. Today I got my driver's license back. So, yay. Yay. I, <laughs> I can't wait to actually be out there and just soak it all up.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. So, so spiritually, how do you how do you cope with with grief? Like meditation or <laughs>
0: It's probably a combination of a few things. Some of it is meditation, but for me, sometimes I, um, I feel like I have a little bit of ADD sometimes. So sitting down to meditate sometimes can be more stressful for me because I'm trying to focus so hard on meditating, but you're not really supposed to focus when you're meditating. You're supposed to let go of all that. So for me, what I like to do is um, I like to spend time out in nature by myself. So I kind of call that, you know, walking meditation, or if it's running, for example, you know, in the morning before work, cause I live pretty close to the beach, you know, I get up and, and go walk the beach at sunrise and there's not anybody out there and it's just peace and quiet. And that's really the time for me to really just check in with me in terms of how I'm feeling and be present with whatever energies there. And then because I'm out in nature and I'm not around anybody, you know, if I need to cry or, you know, Um, I'm mad, you know, I, you know, some feelings come up. I feel like that's sort of a safe space for me to do that. And then there's something just about the, the, the energy of, you know, whether you're in the Redwoods or you're by the beach or something where you're sort of connecting with that nature energy that feels very um, healing to me. So for me, that type of stuff. So I like to call it, you know, my walking or hiking meditation, getting out in nature and doing that. And not having, you know, I don't listen to any music when I'm out there doing that. And I just try to really check in with how am I feeling inside? Not so much what am I thinking, but what, how am I feeling inside? And is there something, you know, some energy there that I need to move or, you know, release? Because I think with grief, um, it, it likes to sort of, the way I describe it, it, likes to tighten up, you know, in my chest and in my stomach and in my body. And I can talk about it all day long but that's not necessarily moving that energy out of me. So I find that that quietness and that stillness and being in a space where there's no distractions um, other than just the sounds of nature is very uh, healing for me.
1: I've started sitting on my back porch. This is nowhere close to your pictures on Instagram with Ocean. (laughs) But just sitting on my back porch like in the morning uh, once my kid's on the bus, and it's still dark in the morning once he's on the bus here, so. I just sit out there and try to list like three things that I'm grateful for. Um, and one of the ladies I've interviewed before, Dimi, um, here recently, like everything's just been negative with her. So I told her she can't text me unless she texts me what she's grateful for at the beginning of the day, and then she can text me the rest of the day. So just trying to, it's, it's all in your mindset, which is with grief is up and down It's, it's. like a fucking elevator.
0: Um, it, it It is. I mean, I love the elevator. I, I, I told my therapist the other day that I said, sometimes I feel like it's like a sniper and a sneak attack because it'll sneak up on you sometimes. And it? when it does sneak up on you, so I mean, you know, I can't be out in nature having meditative thoughts and being grateful all day long. You know, I'm single mom, I'm trying to work, do all this stuff, but sometimes it it does get overwhelming And, and it sneaks up on you like that. And it's just like, you know, some, you could have felt like, you know, like I didn't see that coming. And that, I think for me, that type of grief attack, um, when that happens and I'm sort of caught off guard by the grief, um, what I do wherever I'm, you know, if I'm, even if I'm in a meeting at work and I'm on a zoom meeting, you know, I'll just turn the video camera off and I will just step out of the room or just go step outside or do something and just try to take like, close my eyes and try to take like four really big, deep breaths and just try to ground myself, you know, and sort of get back in my body, Um, because it feels like sometimes with grief, and I'm sure, you know, you know this as well, sometimes it feels like you're going to get swept into, like, the undertow of a wave or something, and, um, you know, you got shit to do, and I I don't have time to melt down and start crying while I'm supposed to be facilitating a meeting at work.
1: (laughs) I understand. I completely understand. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, there's a podcast called "Grief Is a Sneaky Little Bitch" or something like that. And I'm gonna have to
0: listen to that one. <laughs>
1: man, that's that's like the best name in the world. Um, she she has some very interesting stuff on there too. A lot of hers is more medical based, I believe, than than mine. It's just more personal, I believe. Um, well, let's let's talk about your sister and everything that went on with her.
0: Yeah. So my sister, um, passed away in 2013. So again, there's seven siblings in my family. Um, I have five brothers and then there were two girls. Um, she's the third oldest. I'm the fifth child. Um, she passed away when she was only 39 years old and, uh, how she passed away is that she became a really bad alcoholic, a high functioning alcoholic um, to where we didn't know how bad the alcoholism was with her. And she actually died of liver and kidney failure. And for anyone who's ever been privy to somebody passing away from that type of, um, uh, condition, it's a very, it's a very slow and drawn out process and, and their deterioration is very hard to, um, to watch. So my family and I Uh, took care of her uh, in a hospice cottage actually we were fortunate enough there's a buddhist temple here and they actually have a hospice cottage because we felt like none of us in our homes with our kids or or it wasn't set up medically because she was bedridden but we could take her in our homes to do that plus it's a very intense um type of condition to go through as you're passing so you know we were just sort of thrown into that in terms of um trying to figure out, you know, how, how do we band together as a family and take care of her? So for, you know, from when she was discharged from the hospital, it was about, it was exactly a hundred days later, um, that she did pass away. And, uh, she passed away with, uh, with me and, uh, her daughter there. So, um, we were there and it was interesting because the room that she was in, um, I used to always sleep next to her. I would, pull up a cot bed and sleep right next to her. And I would hold her hand. And on this particular evening, something just was, I don't I wasn't even consciously thinking it. I just decided I was gonna lay my my blankets on the ground, like halfway between the room and the living room, which is weird. Like, why do you go sleep in a hallway? That's not a logical place to sleep. But something, you know, that, to me that's sort of the spiritual energy or something. And, and when I look at that retrospectively, I think my sister some way, I felt almost like she needed privacy to depart. Like if I was laying right next to her and holding her hand, I don't think she would have been able to do what she needed to do. And when she actually did pass, and this is where the spirituality thing comes in for me, is I was laying there, there was no noise. I mean, it was very quiet. And I just all of a sudden,ly just the best way to explain it is I just felt a burst of energy everywhere. And I opened my eyes and without even knowing I already knew. Like I just woke up and I felt that energy and I knew that she had passed. And I, you know, I went over to confirm and um, she did indeed, you know, just within minutes um, pass away. So that was sort of the journey for me. Uh, That was a very intense experience. You know, I've never been with somebody, uh, when they pass away, I've never taken care of somebody who was that um, ill and then also but she you know she was that ill but she was still had her her you know her her mental faculties about her so we had you know we talked about it so it's very it was a very eye opening experience to actually t- hold space for somebody and talk about the fact that they're going to die and that was that was very scary for me and it was scary for her but i realized you know here my sister is uh at the end of her life and um we're talking about all her fears about death and and what's going to happen and how she feels about that. And uh, yeah, so that was sort of uh, what happened. And so I knew she had passed. I uh, her my, my niece at that time was about 19. Um, I just laid there for a little while and sort of got my bearings around it. You know, I woke my niece up. I had to, you know, let her know. And then I sort of had to go through the process of, you know, calling my parents. And I will tell you, that was probably... Um, probably the hardest thing for me is to have to call my mom and dad and tell her, tell them that she passed. We all knew it was coming, but you're never prepared for that, you know, so I sort of had to, on top of dealing with my own grief and logistics and comforting my niece, had to call my parents and call my five brothers and sort of, you know, just let everybody know that, um, that she had passed. And, uh, yeah, that was sort of the beginning of what I like to say is uh, the grief sort of cracked me open. I think it's like, you know, that the one of those Rumi quotes out there, you know, that the cracks are where the light gets in or out. And I think it's coming in. <laughs> That's sort of where, you know, it just sort of broke me open completely and um, started my journey about, you know, understanding grief. Um, I think with grief, you start also questioning life. And by that, I mean the meaning of life, the value of life, the purpose of life. And, and then what are you doing in your own life and what is the value and significance of that? So, you know, I, that's at least for me, that's what grief does to every time I've lost somebody, it sort of puts me in that space of really evaluating life.
1: It puts me more in in perspective of, um, I don't get upset about things that are fixable.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Like don't sweat the small shit. <laughs>
1: no, no. like, like once you come to me and tell me that, you know, like my daughter had a brain tumor, uh, there, there's, I couldn't do anything about it. So after right. that, I mean, she had a cold fine. We can fix that. Right. Or right. my other son, who's growing up. If he, if he got sick, that shit's fixable. Right. And once you tell me it's not fixable. That's, that's when you, you can stress over it and. I, I think that's the major lesson I took from it. And, and being in a room when someone passes away is a totally different experience. Um, yeah. I think there were like, man, it's hard for me to remember. But I think there was like seven of us in there when my daughter passed away. And this is going to sound terrible, but it was almost like all of us sighed like it was a sigh of relief.
0: You know what, that, that doesn't sound terrible. And I actually think I'm glad that you brought that up because if anybody's out there who is struggling through the caretaking process of somebody who's terminally ill, you know, there, there's the grief, but there's also sort of the relief of they're free Mm -hmm. and they're going to whatever your beliefs are, you know, heaven, the spiritual world, wherever it is, you know, they're, they're free from their pain and suffering. But then there's also something about the fact that, you know, the worry and angst and the waiting, because you know it's imminent and it's coming, there's a relief of that. And I didn't actually understand that until I went to grief counseling, because I actually thought there was like, I was confused. I was like, I'm so sad and upset that my sister's dead, but at the same time, I'm relieved. And I'm relieved because it's a very emotionally strenuous experience to have to watch somebody suffer like that, And and then to also be a caretaker. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that was a really complicated one that I grappled with where I was feeling like shame about it. And and then I realized that's a totally perfectly normal thing to feel.
1: It took me forever to get used to that because forever. It's still in my head when I hear someone like when I just said it, I thought, man, that's fucking selfish.
0: No, then, it's not. No, no. I applaud I applaud you for saying that.
1: Yeah. I, I, I may have people argue with in my family whenever they hear that, but um what well, my daughter laid pretty much on the couch in the living room at my ex-wife's apartment for like the last six months right didn't move she couldn't she couldn't talk she couldn't I mean she laid there so for us yeah. it was it was uh, a weird way of relief
0: yeah uh, and, and it's the end to suffering you know for the person who's ill and then you know for those of us who are you know are witnessing it you know and and it and then when it's imminent and you know that it's coming it's just like you know you don't want to rush it but also at the same time for me it's like when the quality of life is deteriorating so much you know it's just you don't want them to you know go through I used to hate to see my sister you know suffer like that it was very very hard to watch her suffer and then feel so helpless because there's nothing I can do about it there's absolutely I mean th- You know, you can you can give them drugs or you know the different medication or morphine for pain that the doctors prescribe, but that doesn't you know take away the suffering that you know they're feeling. And I felt like my sister, my sister, you know, she was imprisoned in her body. She couldn't get up from the bed. She couldn't go to the bathroom. She couldn't feed herself. But her brain was still functioning at full capacity. And to me, that that's a horror, that's that's a very hard and horrible way to be. And it was very hard to you know to watch that. So I did also have. Um, with the the grief, I did have that sense of relief.
1: Yeah, I I completely understand it. And I may get some feedback on that.
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. Everybody, everybody experiences things, you know, that's, you know, that's the thing about grief, though, is grief is a journey that is unique to each person. But I think, you know, there's some commonalities that people have. And, you know, some people don't, um, you know, some people view it differently. And a lot of people, I think, also just don't understand grief, or they don't want to, talk about things like that because it feels uh icky or you know taboo or you know or or you're you're saying something bad you know
1: yeah it's it's a feeling that people don't want to talk about which
0: and and death i find that death people are not so you know you and i are very comfortable if i have a conversation with like you know like when with the average person who has not had a significant loss, like they are very taken aback by it. Like they are not ready to, and sometimes I actually have to realize that some people are still in that space of not being able to actually have open dialogue about death and loss. And it's very scary for them.
1: Yeah. I, I told my mom one time that, not that I ever want to hurt myself, but it, but if something happened to me like now, I'd be fine. Like truly right. fun. and her response was, "You'd want to leave me?" <laughs> That's, not <laughs> what I said. That's not what I said at all. So, yeah, it's it's a very difficult subject for people to try to, I guess, man, actually think about, like, sit down and ponder, like, what's going to happen, or what's next, or um, how do you deal with it? I mean, this is what I think of- that. <laughs>
0: That's part, I think that's part of the reason why, why healing through grief is so hard because people, even if they've experienced loss, like people don't talk about it. Like, or, or there's this thing that I find really frustrating where it's like, you know, somebody you love passes away and then, and then people who are on the outside looking in, like think that, oh, you know, three months go by and, and, and you're supposed to be over it. What I've learned about grief is I've learned to to honor grief and, and to see grief as a, as a, as a beautiful thing, because I lost somebody that I love very, very dearly. So that's going to affect me for the rest of my life. I'm, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be, you know, like depressed about it. You know, like, I don't mean like stay stuck in the grief, but it's okay. If throughout your life, there are times when the grief comes up and you honor that grief and you give space for that grief and you cry or you know if you you feel angry or whatever emotions need to be present that's totally okay. I think when you stuff it or you um don't process it is when you know it 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 will harm you. And you know and and I I have family members or you know other people who who don't deal with grief well and you know so they turn to other things like you know drinking alcohol or numbing out other ways. And that really only exacerbates the grief in ways that we don't even, you know, understand you're, you're not, it's not actually helping. It's actually making it, you know, a lot worse.
1: Yeah. Holding on to that, all that inside of you is, is, uh, I'm no doctor, by the way, to, uh, it's gotta be detrimental, like physically as well as mentally. Um, Yeah. yeah, just, just holding on to, I mean, forever. I never really, uh, I, I would say minor things about it, but I think, most people around you just it's like an unwritten rule nobody wants to talk about it right Uh, nobody wants to bring it up so then when you do bring it up they're very uncomfortable with it um but I've just had a couple of friends that I could say whatever and they just keep on talking about it which to me is what people want um like if someone said my kid passed away uh, they want to talk about it They, they want a question they want you to ask a question they want something right Um, so there's this this grief thing is uh it's not fun (laughs) it's it's rough. it's
0: it's very hard and I and I think you know like what I the way I like to sort of think about grief is I'm trying I'm I've been trying to make friends with it so when it shows up it might be a Welcome guests, you know, maybe the grief is showing up in, in the form of it's around Christmas and we're cooking something that reminds me of my sister, or you know, something like that. And it's more of like a uh, you know, you're having a fond memory in a moment and some tears come up. Sometimes it's the, the the grief visitor shows up and it's it's a it's a horrible jerk and it's causing a whole bunch of problems, but it shows up however it wants to show up sometimes. And I think as long as we don't resist that and we let it show up, like come to the table and, and show up, have your meal with me or whatever, and then get the fuck out. (laughs) You know, don't let it, don't let it stay for too long. Cause I think that's where people get stuck is they let it stay for too long and they stay stuck in it. Or, you know, before we started the podcast, you know, I think we were talking about um, where people still stay very attached to sort of living their life like that person is still there, or I have an example of somebody who, you know, their husband passed away a long time ago and, and her bedroom still has all his stuff in there, all his clothes, everything he left exactly the way it was. And to me, that's an example, but maybe I don't understand. To me, that's an example of where you're stuck in the grief, like to where that's probably weighing you down. And on a day-to-day basis, that's probably not bringing you joy or making you happy, it's probably making a reminder that's making you sad on a consistent basis.
1: Yeah, I mean, even I mean, all that stuff's out. I, I have very few uh, material things left. Um, I went one way; my ex-wife went the other way. She had her room set up for a while. I don't know if she still does or not. Um, yeah. I figure we just, you know, just a different journey for everybody. Um, so the did your sister passing away push you in the ultra running?
0: No, I was sort of already on that journey before um, she passed away um, just because of, you know, things that were going on in my life. You know, my sister, similarly to me, um, you know, we, whether it's genetically or it's passed down, we suffer, you know, from, there's several who suffer from like extreme anxiety So for me, um, my way of dealing with my anxiety and with, um, other stressful things that were going on in my life was the, was the ultra running. Um, I did, I did do triathlon before that was sort of my other energy outlet, but the ultra running really resonated with me more, again, going back to the thing of being out in nature and whatnot, but it, um, it definitely picked up the pace, uh, after, after my sister passed and actually, even when she was ill, uh, running was, was the way for me to, um, go even deal with the stress and the grief of that, you know, just to get out there and and go run. But it definitely started to become a much more, uh, spiritual thing for me and a, a very good therapeutic tool for me, um, after she did pass, because I, I, similar to what we were talking about, I, was very holding that grief very tight and i was afraid if i let that grief out that it was just going to pull me under into the abyss like i i didn't really want to talk like i would talk about it intellectually in my head but i would and talk to people about it but i wasn't able to feel the grief so being out there running was a way for me to feel the grief and um you know i'd be out there on the trails sometimes and I'd have to stop because I was crying so bad and just, you know, fall down on my knees and just start, you know, crying, but just get all of that out or let out blood curdling screams. And I apologize if I scared the shit out of anybody out on the trails anywhere, but sometimes, you know, you just have to like roar or scream or do something to get that out. And I just found that, you know, when you're 20 miles deep into the woods i mean you're you're gonna scare the animals but there's probably not gonna be too many other people out there so you you're safe to have a meltdown as long as you know you can get yourself back
1: (laughs) That's that's true i've done that before went to the top of the hill and just screamed it feels pretty good
0: it is a wonderful i actually think more safely again like i said you probably don't want to scream in my house and scare everybody in my neighborhood but if you can be somewhere you know loud by the ocean or, you know, somewhere out in the woods or where, I mean, it is a very, uh, it's a very cathartic experience. (laughs) It
1: it definitely is. It definitely is. So are you an advocate for therapy?
0: Yes, uh, I am. I did not, I had never done therapy in my life uh, until my sister passed. And then um, I, my life sort of all simultaneously fell apart. My sister passed away I decided it was time to divorce my husband. I had to move. My cat died. I think I had bankruptcy. You know, whatever was going on. It was just a, the shit storm was just completely, I was coming unglued and having a pre-midlife crisis. Um, I mean, I wasn't old enough to have a midlife crisis, but basically I was in crisis on every front. So somebody had recommended going to um, grief counseling. So uh, there's hospice of Santa Cruz County here, And whether you have a family member who is in hospice or not, irregardless, uh, they offer free grief counseling. And that's where I started to learn about the stages of grief and understand grief and to what, you know, we were talking about, about expressing my feelings about feeling relieved that she had passed and not understanding that. And then also I was angry. There was a whole bunch of anger towards my sister because I felt angry that you left us and, and you, you, you know, you basically you killed yourself by drinking and and I was angry at her and the anger that was hard for me to deal. so going to um grief counseling uh was really good for me and then from there um I decided to try just uh you know regular um family therapy and had to go through some you know different therapists until I kind of found the right person that worked I also did um some cognitive behavioral therapy because i was having such bad issues with um sleeping i was holding on to the grief so much that it was affecting my ability to operate as a human being you know i had to take medical leave from work because i i think i was almost like i was so stressed out that i couldn't sleep and then part of me almost feels like i was afraid to sleep or something so definitely i'm a big i'm a big fan of, of therapy, but also reminding people and letting people know, just like, you know, you can meet somebody and you can be friends with them and the energy's good and it works. Same thing applies to like a therapist. Don't just think because it didn't work with one therapist that therapy doesn't work for you. Find somebody who matches you and, 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 and it's extremely beneficial. Um, It's extremely beneficial to have a neutral sounding board, and to have somebody who sort of, you know, knows how to navigate through these waters and maybe give you some practical steps when you're sort of just lost, you know, in in the storm of grief.
1: I just recently took, um, I guess about a couple months ago, I took six weeks off work. Um, so my daughter passed away 10 years ago and then it seems like from what I can remember about every year the depression kind of got worse every right. year. Um, and it was finally like six weeks I got to, take care of myself right uh I always tell people just if they're ever talking to me about anything I always just say you got to take care of yourself like you got that is
0: that is the number that is the number one thing especially going through grief is you have you really have to up the self self self-care like to the maximum
1: if it's if it's medication that you need I mean right I, I did not do it forever and here recently I started and I was like, holy shit, that's different.
0: <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I did the same thing t- as well, you know, to deal with the the anxiety um and the depression. I, you know, I, there was different medications I was taking for sleep. There was different medications um, you know, I was taking for anxiety and depression. And and it for me it did serve its purpose while I needed that. Um but then I had found for me that my body wasn't reacting very well um, to it, so then I just decided to go a more natural route. So for me, um, I, I, you know, whether that's uh, marijuana in the form of edibles, or you know, I'm a runner, so you know, smoking isn't the best option for my lungs. But I found for me that, and in California, you know, we medical marijuana, it's legal here, so um, that's wonderful, also. But for me, um, using things that were more natural, um, I found was really helped me with my anxiety and my stress. And I, and I got a different reaction than I, than I had gotten from, um, the medications, but I think anybody, uh, should, you know, who's experiencing long durations of depression or anxiety should definitely talk to their doctor about that. And there's definitely, uh, a place and a time for the medications. I mean, I think I was, I think I was on antidepressants for like three years and I needed to be on the antidepressants for three years because, um, I was not able to biochemically, you know, balance things out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's totally changed. It's weird how it totally changed your mindset, but it truly has like at work. I was told, I get told that I'm a different person now. So right. I assume it's working.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, you know, and I I have, I have people who were, who are, you know, I, you know, told myself, I I don't need that. You know, I, 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 that's not something I'm I'm interested in, but then I was like, well, you're clearly not handling any of this, um, well, and you're not functioning and you're not able to work. So you probably do need to actually try. So yeah, the combination of therapy and then trying out the, um, you know, the antidepressants and whatnot. And then for me continuing therapy, and then I moved over to, you know, using, um, you know, natural things like, you know, marijuana for that, um, which seems to work better for me. And I will also share very openly that I've also, uh, on my grief journey, um, I've actually done um, uh, guided, uh, like taken psychedelics with a person who's trained in doing that. And I've actually felt, uh, by psychedelics, I mean mushrooms, Um, not for like recreational, and going out and getting high on mushrooms, but uh, in the context of therapy. And for me, um, that has been a, a major breakthrough thing for me um, in my grief journey that's taken me to different levels. And again, I'm not advocating for anybody to go do anything. things. I'm just sharing what my journey has been and sort of taking a more natural path um, for that. And that's been extremely um, helpful. And all of these things, you know, I share with my therapist uh, and my doctor in terms of any of these alternate ways that I'm looking to um, try to. Uh, move through my grief journey.
1: How was that? There, look, nothing's legal in Kentucky, just so you know. Yeah. Um,
0: Absolutely. the, the psychedelics, the, I've done it, I've done these, these guided journeys two times. And basically what that means is it's 24 hour thing. And you have somebody who's trained there to be there with you. When you do it, you're sort of laying down, your eyes are closed. Um, and for me, the first time I did it, um, it was very scary because it gets very deep into your subconscious and it uprooted a lot of stuff. So while I was going through it, it lasts about four to five hours. I mean, like all my fears and like basically all the stuff you stuffed in the closet, all the emotions and the fears, it was just popped open all at the same time. Uh, The beautiful thing about that was by the time I was getting to like the fifth hour or whatnot, after all of that sort of came out, I had this profound sense of peace Uh, so it's similar to like what we're saying when you go do the running and you get that sense of that, that's very cathartic to do that or the yelling or whatnot. Uh, it, it, for me, it really purged a lot of that energy that was stuck in there and it, and it, and it did it in a hyperspeed. So I feel like, you know, what I might've taken me two to five years to process, I was able to get it out of my system in, you know, 24 hours. That's not to say it solved things. It unearthed a whole bunch of things, which then I needed to work through a lot of that stuff in therapy. So it's like layers of, of working through it. And then I had done it again, um, actually recently, because, uh, as we had talked about, my dad passed away in, um, May and that was very triggering for me. Um, because, you know, losing my sister's one thing, um, losing a parent is, uh, it's not like you can compare grief, but a dad to a daughter is something very special. And it's, and it's a very protective energy. And, you know, so losing my dad and my dad's like, you know, a a support system for that was, that was very hard. And I was really struggling with coping with that um, or getting in touch with that grief. So I did try it again. And um, this time around uh, it was more of a I want to, I will say you like euphoric. I, I, I more went into gratitude mode. I guess what it is, it started highlighting all of the things I'm grateful for and, and how grateful I am that I got to spend the amount of time I got to spend with my dad and how grateful I am that I'm his daughter and I'm always going to be his daughter. And it it really started to focus my grief towards gratitude and love, and compassion, as opposed to it being more kind of, a, I call it the dark grief, you know, where it's fear, and anxiety, and darkness, and numbness, and emotional paralysis. So, um, yeah, so for me, uh, out here in California, <laughs> those are sort of, you know, some of the things that I've, I've tried that are helpful to me, you know, obviously alongside, you um, you know, the therapy and stuff that um, I'm doing as well.
1: That's awesome. Is there, so I I I really cling to music. Um,
0: Love, music is so wonderful for healing.
1: Is there, is there an artist or anybody like you can just sit and listen to and it's like calming or?
0: Absolutely. Uh, it's, that's a very easy one for me. And you know what? It comes from <laughs> my Ever, the first music I ever remember hearing uh, is Bob Marley. So I love, I've, I'm a li- lifelong lover of reggae and that actually comes from my dad. So now more even more than ever, um, any and all music by Bob Marley definitely puts me into a very peaceful place. And it reminds me of my dad and it brings up a bunch of memories. And actually before he had passed away, um, I've always wanted to learn to play the bass guitar uh, because you know, reggae has got a lot of bass. And uh, I finally started learning and he and I were talking about that. And he was so excited. And, you know, the last conversation I ever had with him uh, before two days before he passed, is we were talking about that. And he was so excited. I was playing the bass and um, actually it wasn't a reggae song. I was talking to him about, he also loves rage against the machine. So I was switching up learning reggae and uh, I was killed playing the, learning to play the rage against the machine song, killing in the name. And he was so stoked on that. He's like, "That's so awesome. And he was just telling me, you know, when you play the music, just don't intellectualize it too much, just feel it. So now that he's passed, um, listening to the music is very therapeutic, but also because I'm learning to play the bass, learning to play an instrument as a coping mechanism for grief, I am finding is a very um, wonderful thing, you know, just to sit, even if I, it sounds terrible. I mean, my cat, my cats like literally go run and hide when I play sometimes because it doesn't sound good. But it's relaxing to me. It gets me out of whatever stuck thoughts I'm in or if I'm feeling sad or whatever. And you're just, you know, creating. And then when you actually learn how to play something, I mean, it's a wonderful thing. So I think listening to music or even learning to play music, even if you think you can't learn to play it um, as another tool for coping with grief, I think that's a really beautiful thing um, as well. And I found that to be extremely helpful, especially, you know, since my dad passing in May.
1: That's That's a couple of different spectrums of music you got going on there.
0: Oh, yeah. we're very, My parents were very eclectic with music. You know, it could be that or it could be, you know, Rage Against the Machine or, you know, Public Enemy or Talking Heads or Classical. You know, he, they introduced us to, like a large variety, but Bob Marley's always sort of like the 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 constant and that anytime I listen, to, like I'll go for drives sometimes in my car uh, and I'll just I don't even know where I'm driving. I'll just get on the road and drive. Uh, that's another great place. So if you feel like you can't cry at home in front of people or you don't want to do that or you feel stuck, get in the car and go for a drive. Listen to your favorite music. Crying and yelling in the car is a great thing also because you're, I mean, unless you're stopped at a stoplight or something, you don't want to be screaming where somebody sees you flipping out because they might be worried. But I always find that to be a great um, therapeutic thing. I just go into my bubble in my car and listen to my music and, um, you know, sort of just end up wherever I end up you know sometimes I end up 50 miles you know up the coast or something and I'm fine with that
1: <laughs> I, I wish I could say up the coast <laughs> here you say up the Ohio River and it's not pretty <laughs> it's, not <great. laughs> it's not there's people who come here to do Ironman competitions and they have to swim in the Ohio River and they see it and they decide that they will not do the Ironman
0: <laughs> oh that's I've, I've I've never I haven't I haven't looked at the Ohio River I had to do an iron I the one Iron Man I did was in Santa Rosa and I think it was in the Russian River um and it was very shallow and muddy and murky so I don't know if the Ohio River's kind of like that also
1: I don't want to know <laughs> they say that people come out like in the changing rooms and there's just green all over them oh
0: yeah note to self don't do an iron man (laughs) in the ohio river
1: (laughs) that's right do the little kentucky one do not do that one (laughs) so is there any books or anything you can recommend to anybody
0: for me a lot of the books that i've been reading um a lot of them are like around um spirituality and kind of blending that with sort of quantum physics there's a book i love called um seed of the soul um i found that book to be really interesting. Um, I love the books by, um, Don Miguel Ruiz. A lot of those are kind of, you know, um, uh, spiritual related books. Uh, I love Brene Brown. I think on the healing journey, um, if, if folks haven't, you know, listened to Bre- Brene Brown or read her books, I think she's really good about, um, explaining, uh, human behavior, emotions, and understanding emotions, so I feel like I got a lot of emotional intelligence from, um, I listen to books, I, because my eyes are tired from being on the computer, so I listen to a lot of books, can't say that I read them, uh, but I've, I've listened to almost every single one of her books, and I find those to be really, um, really helpful um, as well. I mean, there's actually so many books that I can't even think of the name of all the books that I've read, but a lot of them are, you know, Eckhart Tolle, Um, I, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it for me is a lot of it is the spiritual stuff, um, and understanding that along with the psychology stuff. So I'll have some Brene Brown in there and then, you know, I'll have some, some spiritual stuff, uh, as well. And, and I, I feel like, like that balance of, of reading things I find to be, um, stimulating to my mind. And then I also like the variety of, um, different ways of looking at life.
1: One last question, we'll get off here, OK? If you met someone who had just lost someone today, what would you tell them?
0: First thing I would do is I wouldn't even tell them anything if, if I, I would ask them if I could give them a hug. And I feel like giving them a hug would tell them a whole lot. Um, and then I, if I had to articulate it in words, I guess I would, I would tell them. Um, that it's a journey and there are other people out here that you can talk to about this and, um, that it's okay to feel every array and a variety of emotions that come up, like we talked about, and to really just honor that grief and know that, you know, it's grief is lifelong, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to be sadness, you know, find a way to honor the person that you love and, um, figure out how to recontextualize that in a way to where you're honoring the fact that they have departed. So you're not still trying to to like live life with them here. But what is your new relationship uh, with that person? You know, like for my dad, Thanksgiving's coming up, you know, for example. So we were sort of talking about how are we going to honor my dad? Well, you know what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're we're gonna set up a, a setting at the table and we're gonna put a meal there for him. And the reason why we're doing that is because my dad, because he's a spiritual person, used to always Set a meal out for ancestors who have passed. So now we thought about okay, my dad used to do that. So now that we're going to do that for him. Um, so just be patient with yourself, love yourself, and definitely don't sit in the grief and the darkness alone. Um, you know, reach out to people, whether it's a therapist, a friend. Uh, People on social media, people like me and you. Now, if somebody hits me up on social media or something, and and they want to ask me any questions, I'm I'm always here to to talk about and to share because I, I think we just need to band together as a community of people who are unfortunately in this lifelong club, and uh, figure out how to navigate through that um, together. And people who haven't been directly impacted like we have been, you know, they don't understand what we're going through. But there's a lot of us out there who have been through it and you can get through it and um, up the self-care for sure.
1: Rohana, thank you for being on here. Um, My pleasure. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rohana, for sharing your experiences Thank you for sharing your grief journey and thank you for the honesty.